Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, GSA moves out on Alliant 3. We've already started the market research for that, and we are going to be releasing um, a draft RFP in the first quarter of FY23. And no time to waste to hit play on Polaris. We still have it paused, but we did take the time to get comments because we want to get it right. And so where we are is planning to unpause the acquisition by the end of June. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. A test network to link quantum computers in the federal government's open for business. The Army Research Laboratory, Naval Research Laboratory, Naval Observatory, National Institute of Standards and Technology, the National Security Agency, and NASA have established the Washington Metropolitan Quantum Network Research Consortium. The Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific and the Air Force Research Laboratory will participate in the project, too, as out-of-region affiliates. The Defense Department will establish a new research center in partnership with a historically black college or university. The Air Force says the center will focus on tactical autonomy technology for military systems. The service will spend about $12 million a year on the effort. Two million more will come from the office of the Secretary of Defense. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. The 13th year of Fed Talks launches August 24th. High-level leaders in government, industry, and academia will offer lightning talks, keynotes, and fireside chats. It's happening at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can find a link to learn more and sign up in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Three of the General Services Administration's highest-profile contracts are at inflection points. The Polaris, Alliant, and STARS programs all live in the Federal Acquisition Service, GSA. Laura Stanton is Assistant Commissioner of the IT category at FAST. Laura, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. Let's start with STARS 3. STARS 3, round 3, where are we now and where are we going moving forward? Welcome, Laura. So first of all, Francis, thank you so much for the invitation and thrilled to be here to talk about all of the stuff that we're doing, um, or at least at least a portion of the things we're doing. Uh, in terms of um, STARS-3, really proud of this program. Um, we launched, the, launched in t- July of 2021 with the first cohort of awards. At this point, we have over 150 task orders on those awards and valued at more than $500 million. Um, and all of these are going to 8A companies, small disadvantaged businesses. STARS-3 is the GWAC uh, for IT services that is really designed for those small disadvantaged businesses. And we've been going through and we did for the first cohort of awards back in June of 2021, got things going got those those initial task orders done, and we've awarded two more cohorts since then. The most recent was cohort three, which brings us to over 1,100 contracts um, on the star and 1,100 companies on the STARS-3 program. So we're really excited about it. And it's great to see that the agencies have already sort of kicked off and started using the program the way it was intended. And we really anticipate that agencies that are looking for small disadvantaged businesses with great qualifications and IT services are going to be able to use this. 
My colleague Dave Nitschapier notes on fedscoop.com uh, that Stars 3 is a best-in-class contract. Give me a definition of that as regarding what it means to you as somebody who manages these things, Laura. Yeah, well, my other role is the government-wide IT category manager, Francis, and I'm appointed by OMB in that position. So best-in-class contracts are the ones that have been designated for um, the data, the value, um, the common requirements that are available to all government agencies. So STARS-3, like uh, also like Alliant-2, um, and other GWACs have that designation of being the best-in-class contract. Um, Dave notes in his uh, story at fedscoop.com that uh, among the technologies available on STARS-3, AI and blockchain, and it is a fascinating space, I imagine, because those companies that you just described being involved in the most cutting edge technology is a space that it strikes me agencies are really trying to reach out and find those companies to be able to leverage that technology and also meet some of the goals that they have for small business contracts. Is that kind of the sweet spot of Stars 3, Laura? It's it's a variety. We see we do see the emerging technology, and we that was one of the innovations that we added in under um, under the Stars Three was that specific uh, that specific uh, categorization. What we also are seeing though is a lot of O and M and a lot of and a lot of and IT strategy. So we're really tracking how agencies are using this um, across across that portfolio and the task orders that we're seeing coming through, but. We certainly wanted to carve out a niche for those emerging technologies, knowing that um, in some in, in cases, the small businesses have the innovation and we want to be able to bring that to the federal agencies. Where does STARS 3 go? Is there a fourth cohort or is this pretty much the natural conclusion of STARS 3 and what succeeds it at some point in time, if anything, or if we even know yet, Laura? Well, let's just start with, we just, we, we have uh, some, we have seven years left on STARS 3. Um, and we are going to be, we finished up the cohort three was our final cohort with 1100 companies on there. We're very, very happy with the response we saw, but where we're going is to get these companies, um, up and running. So we have to get the, the final cohort up. And one thing that I, that I talk a lot about is as we're working with small businesses, um, the first step is to get them on the master contract in this case, uh, STARS-3. The second half is going to be to make sure that it is to helping them understand how to navigate that federal IT market. And that includes really working on the, um, helping them understand how to, how to get in touch with the federal agencies, how to explain their value, all of the things that they need to win task orders. So that's the second half. And we've been focused on a series of webinars already um, to help help these companies get up and running. So that's where we're spending our energy at this time. What uh, what kind of content is included in those webinars? Because I think the companies that I've talked to that have entered the market have found exactly what you're describing to be their biggest challenge. They get on the contract and then maybe don't understand that that's just the first part of it, that they have to actually go out and win the business. It just doesn't roll in. Right, and that's exactly the type of thing that that we're putting in in those in those webinars. Is how do you how do you navigate? How do you understand um, the market? I want to put in a plug for uh, business for the business opportunity forecasts that the agencies are putting out there. Um, GSA has our business opportunity forecast, and that helps 
companies see where what what does that agency need and that's a great resource to be able to understand how to reach how how to support and reach the agencies but and that's the type of thing those resources those tools where do you go to find them um, all of that is it's what's critical for these businesses to understand. How do you determine how far you go in helping a company or a group of companies? I know you don't pick out individual ones, but in helping companies understand what they need to do, the steps that they need to take. Because I imagine there's a line of demarcation where if you go past it, you're holding the company's hands. And that's may, that's maybe not the job of, of the agency itself. Well, all of the STARS three companies, as I mentioned earlier, are 8A companies. And so they are in the middle of working through the, the business development. So they have resources available through the Small Business Administration as well, Francis. And um, it's, it's always looking at um, how, do we, how do we assess sort of the challenges that we're hearing from them, are they common challenges? Are they in that in that way? Are they something that we can we can support, or are they individual challenges? And I think that that is you know so we're constantly looking for common themes where we might have gaps in the support that we're providing. What kind of feedback have you been getting from those companies, Laura, based on the webinars or any other uh, type of feedback you get? I think we're going to be seeing our first our first round of feedback when we do our customer loyalty survey, which um, and our supplier satisfaction survey that that have been recently released. What do you do with that feedback when you get it, Laura? How do you decide what's actionable and and what is something that may just be an anomaly? Uh, looking for trends. We're looking at the at the feedback by when we get um, supplier satisfaction surveys. We look at the feedback by programs. We're constantly assessing, you know, are we seeing, uh, are we seeing an uptick? Did we see a decline? What might have those reasons been? What did the verbatims have to say? And we use that as the foundation for then really going, understanding, okay, do we have something that's actionable here? Do we have something that we really need to be doing more pulse surveys on mm -hmm. uh, or some RFIs? And we use, and that provides it's not the be all end all, but it provides the starting point. You use the term uh, up and running to describe what you want to see these businesses do or what kind of state you want them to achieve. How do you determine that you've been successful to do that? And that's not, I don't mean that just directly uh, regarding stars three, but more broadly across all the vehicles that you oversee. How do you know that you've been successful? What data are you collecting? Is it just, number of task orders and or dollar value or are there other measures that you use to determine if the companies are or if the category the the group of companies overall is succeeding uh the first step is are we are, are we assessing that the federal agencies are getting value from from these contracts one proxy for that is certainly you know the number of task orders going through it the dollar value that we're seeing going through those through those programs um, otherwise, we also look at the customer loyalty surveys. We look at we look at those those pulse surveys. We talk to the customers and assess um, are they are they getting what they need or do, are they giving us feedback that there's either customer experience challenges or friction in the process, and um, and then what we take back and figure out what we can do to support that. So we're. Part of uh, part of this includes connecting 
both with agencies and and with the federal um, and with the supplier community to make sure that we're able to understand what's happening in the environment. Our role doesn't end just when something gets awarded. <laughs> and I think that's um, that's certainly something that I'm trying to get the message out. Why do you think that message hasn't gotten out there? Because I agree with you that that's not something that everybody understands. I think there's a lot of people that think that uh, using a contract is a matchmaking opportunity and the agency buys it and the vendor sells it and that's pretty much the end of it and it's not the end of it. Um, what do you think uh, is the reason for that and and what are you trying to do to get that message out and what is the message that you convey about what happens after the transaction? Well, we're certainly looking at how do we continue to support the agencies? Are what are they getting out of the out of post award? How how successful are they being? So we, I've been um, asking the team to really diff- work on that post award engagement strategies not only with the companies, um, but also with the agencies. And we are continuing to be involved in the management of um, doing program management reviews with the companies to understand how things are going for them. Um, I do, and and the other executives in the IT category are out there talking to the CIOs, to the IT community, to um, to hear what's, you know, what's on their mind and where where can we either co-design or where can we support them with what we already have out there? So all of those, all of that engagement is designed to make sure that we have the right suite of contracts, but then we're also providing the necessary uh, technical, both on the technology side and the acquisition side of the support. It's interesting that you talk about going out and talking to the CIOs and the IT teams, because I think there's been a perception it's it, in the past that GSA as an acquisition, and especially FAST as an acquisition organization, dealt with acquisition people. And it strikes me that that integration and, and among um, all of the technology or all of the areas of expertise, all the areas of proficiency is, is really instructive so that the IT people understand the acquisition role that FAST can serve and you have a better understanding of what the end user is going to try to procure. Is that what the point of that is, Laura? It, it absolutely is. And understanding what's the needs of the, of the IT community, what challenges are they facing, how do we begin to incorporate, what are the common requirements that we're seeing across government that we have opportunities to begin to incorporate? Let me use um, CMMC for an example. We saw, D- we saw where DOD was heading. And so what we did with STARS-3 and with our Polaris RFP is we've put CMMC within scope. Um, so not a requirement, but it is within scope to make sure that we're ready to meet the needs of DOD and any other agency that would choose to use CMMC. You can read more about the STARS 3 contract in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com and more with Laura in just a moment. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. The results are in for the best bosses in federal IT. Leaders from government and industry are among the winners. You can find a link to see the list and read more about each of the winners in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. More now with Laura Stanton of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. 
My colleague Dave Nichpier writes that uh, you said at the CGP Spring Training Conference uh, a couple of weeks back, because the Alliant 2 program has been so successful, we're looking at moving forward on Alliant 3 much, much faster and earlier than we ever anticipated. What does that look like? What's been so good about Alliant 2? And if Alliant 2 is working really well, is it just the fact that it's phasing out that you're deciding to move on to a, a third version? Well, it's... It actually is, um, we're moving, the success of Alliant 2 has been so great that we're approaching that contract ceiling much earlier than anticipated. And um, at this point, we have a $50 billion ceiling and a total estimated value of over $36 billion on the existing task orders. So that unprecedented and unanticipated um, level of success means that we're looking at moving into the into the next phase of the program and that is and that's going to be alliant 3 we've already started the market research for that and we are going to be releasing um a draft rfp in the first quarter of fy23 what do you want to learn in that market research laura we want to learn where we've been successful what are the best practices what do we need to continue also exploring if there's some opportunity for some innovations. We've seen some of those innovations playing out on Polaris, um, what the new newly named Oasis Plus, and looking to see what what do we want to be doing for as we as we launch into a live three. Um, what does innovation broadly or specific innovations, particularly? look like in a contract vehicle or we throw that word around in government all the time and it's a very noble goal but i wonder what the end result actually looks like in your world in my world it's right now it's for um incorporating think those common requirements like cmmc certainly is one of the one of the examples that i would use for stars three we're also looking at implementation of the 876 authority, uh, which is the competition at the task order level that we're going to be implementing on Polaris, for, which is going to be the first government-wide GWAC visit. Um, we are going to be, uh, so those are the types of innovations. It's implementing some of, the, some of the policy authorities we have and beginning to move them into operations on the acquisition side. Where is Polaris right now? We covered on this program some of the the issues with that and the protests and so on. Where does where does that stand today, Laura? Yep. And just to give everybody a recap, we released the original uh, Polaris RFP for the small business and the women-owned small business pools um, around the end of March, and we got feedback uh, very very quickly. We received feedback. Um, from our industry partners in the small business community and truly appreciate the fact that they took the time to give that to us. So our response was to pause the acquisition, pause the RFP, um, finish getting in more feedback. So we left the question period open and then um, act, take all of that and assess what we needed to do with it. So our, our response was to then draft an amendment, which we put out for comment. On a live acquisition, we, we, we still have it paused, but we did take the time to get comments because we want to get it right. And so where we are is planning to unpause the acquisition by the end of June. So just within the next several days, uh, that will happen. And yes. then 
Walk me through the timeline of, of what you expect to happen next with Polaris. So once we restart the acquisition, it'll be an opportunity for the companies to um, go restart the proposal process. And then we'll be, we'll be uh, at, we're adding on a few extra days because we're going to be starting it. We're planning to start right before a holiday weekend. Um, but, and then taking that through and getting those proposals in and, and going back to normal. So we sort of took, we, we, we stopped at the rest stop. I think might be the way to think about it. And we're getting back on the, back on the road. What did you learn from that process, from the protests themselves or from the process of the pause, the restart, the, the rest stop? I love that analogy um, that you can apply to not just the future of Polaris, but to the future of other vehicles. I think absolutely, you know, that feedback was critical. And we taking that feedback um taking a hard look at it and then responding to it, it means that we can adjust. We talk about being agile, and I think this is a great example of agility and creative thinking in how, how, to, work through, how to work through an unexpected challenge. Um, as if you're not busy enough, you've got a cloud marketplace uh, BPA in the process. Uh, my colleague Dave Nichapir writes that that is titled Ascend is the name of that. Tell me about the nuts and bolts of Ascend, Laura. Yeah, so what we've learned is government agencies really have a highly complex and evolving marketplace when it comes to cloud, acquiring cloud solutions. And part of those engagements that, I've that I mentioned earlier on the show, Francis, really um, Part of that includes understanding how security, data ownership, operational practices are, 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 are happening at the agency level for the acquiring and administra administration of these cloud solutions. We know it's difficult. We know it's time consuming based on, uh, based on what we've learned. And so what we're really looking for, we've been identifying those common cloud requirements across the government and we're looking to put the Ascend Blanket Purchase Agreement in place to help agencies um, address, the, address the challenges that we've identified. And that really is just a simplicity play? That's the main idea here, Laura, it sounds like? Um, I wouldn't say it's the only, the only a simplicity play. Um, it's, it's really looking at how do we more effectively buy and manage. It's to get to better outcomes. Mm -hmm. This isn't, it, it's, um, and that's what we have seen that we, that we want to help the agencies achieve. Do you have a timeline in mind for that yet, or is it too early given that you're just still in the writing phase of the BPA? Well, we had the draft, um, we had a draft RFQ out uh, a couple, few weeks ago, about a month ago, and we're going through those comments right now. And then we'll be we'll be looking at what the timeline is, and certainly sharing that out once we're once we're to that point. Before we started uh, our conversation, we talked a little bit, and you you said you wanted to talk about customer experience, and we've known each other for a long time, Laura. You've always been very diligent, I think, about wanting to make sure that the customer agencies that deal with GSA, wherever your whatever your role was in the organization, got what they needed. Uh, in the best way possible. Given this administration's emphasis on customer experience, does that take on a new meaning for the way that you think about customer experience in the IT category and more broadly you and your colleagues at FAST? 
Um, I think it puts the it puts the emphasis and the highlight on customer experience that and it gives a chance for it to be discussed more broadly and better better realized across the government. And that's a great opportunity because it, we've for years we always talked about customer service and um, and I always think of customer service as that it be, having great transactions. But I think of but customer experience is the great end to end, um, and it's using data, using um, using the constant feedback that I loops that I've talked about when it comes to other programs, and then using that and changing our processes, helping helping train our people, and really incorporating that back into what we're delivering. Um, to be more effective. You talked earlier in the conversation about the customer loyalty survey and the supplier satisfaction <laughs> survey. Is that the main vehicle that you use to determine how successful your customer experience efforts are? What are some of the tools that you use on an ongoing basis to make sure you know what your customers are getting versus what they're expecting? Right. Uh, the customer loyalty survey is certainly one piece of data. And I would say, but we've also matured from using that as our only piece of data. So there, the types of things we've been doing are those strategic conversations at the at the executive level, at the working level, um, listening to what's what's happening, doing pulse surveys, using our call center metrics to understand where are we seeing um, and identify uh, where are we seeing sort of common trends. We have the two-jit BPA that's out there. On that, we've created a dashboard to illustrate trends that are important to our customers. And then we use that to diagnose where they might be having friction in the process. And we're able to then go back and adjust our adjust what our actions are so that the customer has a better experience. Laura, it's great to talk to you. Congratulations on all the stuff you're doing. And I'm really grateful for your time to talk about it today. I appreciate your time. I thank you so much, Francis. It was a pleasure to join you. You can read more about all the things Laura and I talked about in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast, back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.